Welcome to the Writer Dojo. Your host, Steve Diamond. That's me. And Larry Korea. Sup? I think I've done that before. Today's episode, Tertiary Characters. All right, everybody. We're back. Like Backstreet Boys. Backstreet's back. Um, so here we are. Today, we're going to kind of continue some of our character talks because... As it turns out, characters are kind of important to your story. The worst, the, the worst stories for me personally, and I know there's some people who disagree, and that's okay. You're wrong. Um, is that if you don't have good characters, your story is meaningless to me. Yeah. Um, and you guys might have noticed we've done, this is uh, the third one of these we've done about characters, just kind of boom, boom, boom. I don't know how these are actually, what air, order these are actually going to air, but... Uh, uh, we will do this also for setting in the future, but right now yep. we're hitting characters because characters are a thing where a lot of people fall down. They'll have good settings, they'll have good plots, but if you have dry characters, you're toast. And and regardless of which way you decide to enter your story, whether we're talking about you know a a main character or whatever, really got you excited to write this story, or a really really cool setting idea got you to write this story. Regardless, this episode is important because what we're going to do, we're going to talk about different kinds of characters and how they influence your world and how they influence each other and some of the different ways in which um, you can write them and, and, you know, some of the pitfalls, things to watch out for. So, Larry, let's talk about kind of the different levels of characters that there are in a book. Your, sure. You're kind of your, your main line, top yeah. shelf you know, characters, and then kind of go down from there yeah. to kind of secondary, tertiary, yeah, the way, super that's, side characters. That's the way I describe it. It is primary, secondary, tertiary. Um, and what I mean by that is your primary characters, these are the guys that you are devoting time to. These are who the readers care about. Uh, this is who the book is named after, you know. This is The Witcher, <laughs> okay. Yeah. This, is, this is James Bond. Uh, John Wick. Okay, these are the guys that are the big deal characters. We talked about building them a little bit, protagonists and antagonists. Uh, these are usually uh, your point of view characters when you are writing first person, or your point of view characters when you're writing a third person. That most of your scenes are going to take place with. Mm -hmm. uh, either they are the person narrating it, it's through their view, or they're who it's about is somebody else is watching them. Now, and these are the characters that, for me, because again, guys, I'm I'm that guy that. Pretty much all my stories start because of a cool character. Yeah, this is who your idea probably came this from. This is where your idea came from, right? Yep. yep. So This is your Owen Pitt, your Ashok Vidal's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're all that. So, so okay, so then, so then for you, Larry, what's the difference between your main character and your secondary character? Now, a secondary character, where they're going to come into play, is they are characters who uh, they show up a lot. They are not who the story is about, but they are pivotal. They're usually friends, they're support, they're allies, or they're villains. Or like, like you know, they, they may be your, they could be your primary villain, or they could be, you know, other minor villains. Just depends on how big of a role the villain takes place in your story. And I've done both. Uh, your secondary characters are going to be characters that... Theoretically, someday, uh, if your series is really popular, you can do spin-off books uh, about them where they become a primary character. And believe me, guys. Looking at you, Franks and Harbinger. Yeah, Earl Harbinger, Agent Franks, uh, Julie Shackelford. And so what happens is characters who aren't the primary point of view character all of a sudden can become a primary character uh, in a pinch. 
And that just means you wrote a good enough, interesting enough character that they really, truly matter. Now, for me personally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot both our horns for a sec here. So when, when you invited me to write a story in the Monster Hunter universe for the Monster Hunter files, oh, yeah. the, the first guy that came to mind for me, oddly enough, was Guterres. Who was a secondary who's character. Who's a complete, I mean, he's, he's on the line of even being a tertiary character. Yeah. Because in, in Nemesis, when he, he first shows up. He started out probably as a tertiary character, but was yeah. cool enough he got promoted. And, and we'll I talk rem- about yeah. that. And I remember reading uh, Nemesis and going, what the crap? This Vatican, this Vatican combat exorcist assassin dude is awesome. Yeah. And so when you were like, hey, Steve, I want you to, I want you to write a Monster Hunter story for me. I was like, how can I use that weird random kind of secondary character and yep. make him awesome in my story? Yeah, and he shows up again in Monster Hunter Bloodlines as a, as a, as a, as a, as a secondary character. As a legit secondary character. Yeah, legit. Um, and he's a good character, and he's the kind of guy who's strong enough that you could de- he could definitely be promoted to do his own thing. And, uh, and vice versa, um, the other, because of my, my short story called The Gift that's in that anthology, um, very, very fun, very cool story. Fidelity has, Fidelity has shown up now. He showed up in two or three of two, your novels. Two books now. He yeah. showed up in two other books now. So he, he was my main character, and Larry was like, hey, he's cool enough where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate that dude to the books. Yeah, so that guy shows up in the books a couple times as a secondary character. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, probably tertiary in, uh, in the Ringo spinoff book. Yeah. Yeah, he only gets a he only gets a couple mentions, but I set him up to be used a lot in the next one. Yeah, because um, he's the guy that's down in the jungle taking care of business, um, which okay. that book is not written yet. So <laughs> that's the plan. Um, so now, so your secondary characters are so just to reiterate and and supporting and to make sure supporting have, cast. It's your supporting cast. You know, while the while the main while the main scene is told from the point of view of of Joe Schmo, the super awesome character, secondary character A is in that scene quite a lot. Yeah, and they can still be extremely important to the plot. Mm-hmm. They can be pivotal. They can be very emotional connections, very popular characters. That is perfectly fine. Um, but they're not usually who the story is about. Um, but that can change over time. They can become more important or less important, depending on that story. Uh, tertiary character is what I lump in as you know, guard number three. The guy may or may not even rate a name. He's just there. He's a thing. Uh, but the thing is, I still try to treat those guys as people. Maybe. So, so kind of, so kind of just you know, the neat character. You named him, but he's in like three scenes. Yeah, or they're just they're just kind of background. Or like you know, if you were um, anybody who in a movie would like be an uncredited extra. You know, they they don't get an IMDb entry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Guard number two. Guard number two. Uh, you know, made dead, dead body number five. Dead. Well, yeah. I usually don't count anybody who's not inanimate. You know, inanimate. But uh, that's because you didn't write horror. That's true. If I wrote horror, Steve would be like, you know, body number five. His name is Frank. Okay. <laughs> um. No. So the thing is, uh, tertiary character they can still be important and they can still surprise you with little bits of cool stuff. I've had characters that showed up for one scene, did something actually awesome. And they stayed tertiary characters because the story, they just moved on and did their thing. And it's fun sometimes because you, you give those little hints that this guy has a story too. I one time read a movie review, and I think it was actually from Bob Defendi. You remember Bob, oh, right? Yeah, Bob was giving yeah, this Bob's movie awesome. review. And I think it was about one of those alien invasion movies uh, where aliens attack L.A. 
I can't remember what the movie is. It was a horrible movie. But Bob was saying he's watching the movie, and the main characters of the movie were like these really horrible, boring people who were just like trapped in an apartment while aliens did stuff outside, right? And it was about these people who were doing boring crap sounds while like, awesome stuff was happening. Sounds like Skyline. I think it might have been Skyline. Yeah. And then at one point, a bunch of Marines, like out the window, a bunch of U.S. Marines run along the street battling aliens, and they're in the background for just an in- a second being totally badass, and then they were gone. And then you, you desperately go, whoa. To see that and, story, and, and then that's what Bob said in his review is, well, I want to follow those guys. Yeah, and then I think the movie but was a Battle Los Angeles came out a few years later, which was Aaron which Eckhart. was from them. Yeah, yeah was, that's totally those guys. Yeah, <laughs> which was a way better movie because the first one I totally forgot. Yeah. Um, but so those are your tertiary characters. Tertiary characters, that's not a synonym for they suck or or they don't matter. No. They're there, but the story is not necessarily about them. But they're necessary for the story to happen. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this. So well, the biggest reason I, I, I file those in different drawers, I guess, is how much work I put in each one. Okay, sure, sure. But, you know, you, you touched on something I think is pretty important that I want to talk about for a sec. And that's that's that they all have to be important. So Well, they have to they have to be they have to be people. Yeah. Or, or aliens, but you see, or robots, but you see what I'm saying. Right, yeah, yeah. They, they have to, just because your main character is the point of view that you're telling that story from, it doesn't mean that those characters don't exist in their own little spheres or worlds. No. I, you know what I mean? Ideally, if you create a truly fleshed out world, everybody will feel like they're actually a person, a living, breathing, thinking thing that exists beyond just these pages. Because they, they shouldn't just be, you know, one of those, like, cardboard cutout stands that everyone poses next to of the, yeah. of the Hollywood dudes. Now, that said, like, if the guy is totally meaningless to the story and I just needed to do to, like, bump into the main character uh-huh. or to stand there and guard a door or to just be a bad guy who walks up and gets shot, those guys I refer to usually as, like, you know, your faceless mooks. Yeah. I mean, okay, like, I'm not going to put any energy into that guy because, honestly, if my point of view narrator character wouldn't give any energy to thinking about them, then I'm, as the writer, I'm not going to invest any energy in them. Well, and that's right, you know, and, and I think, you know, we've, we talk about all sorts of different things and uh, on this show and, and depending on, on when the episodes air or when, or when, or what order you decide to listen to them, um, you may or may not have already heard our episode about point of view. Okay. And in there, one of the things we talk about is, is telling the story or telling the, the scene from the most interesting point of view. Now, what that does from your first person, your second, or your, your, uh, well, from your first or third person points of view, but from your, you know, your, your main line characters, your top shelf characters, and sometimes your second characters that get the occasional scene, right? Yeah. You have to be very cognizant of what those characters actually give a crap about because I know you've read these books and I've read these books where suddenly every character is noticing like all of the architecture around them and describing it. Or they're noticing they're noticing all of the they're they're noticing every crack in the road. I'm noticing they're noticing that, all of the food. I'm noticing that the author has certain things that that author is into, right? And seems to think that every character is going to think the same way. And guess what? Yeah, that's some a, characters just don't give a crap about that no, stuff. No, and you need to keep that in mind when you're writing these people. Uh, 
Like tertiary characters, you're very, very seldom going to get a scene where that's actually from their point of view. But I've done it a few times. Usually when it's going to be something like where everybody dies and like, like I'm going to blow up the ship or whatever. I'm going to blow up this, the, you know, or they're, you know, they're going to get chucked out a window. But I wanted to write a scene from that guy's perspective, but I can't kill any of my characters that I need or that I have anything invested in. So a tertiary character comes into existence. Uh, I did this in uh, one time in uh, in Hard Magic. There's a scene where Jake Sullivan's fighting this badass magical samurai dude and a bunch of little gangsters that are helping him. Well, I threw one scene. It's like, it's like maybe like 400 words from one of the gangsters' perspectives as all these like two badass magical dudes are throwing down. He's just a little normal gangster guy, and he just like gets gravity welled out a window, <laughs> and he dies. Why? Because I wanted to show this just briefly from the perspective of a normal human being caught between these super-powered combatants. Well, you know, and, it, and it's it's often very important, and, and, and that's what I personally like about your secondary and tertiary type characters, is they offer, they offer a nice balance and a nice measure of contrast. So... Um, I remember watching the show um, Fargo, that the, the show that's on, on FX right now. And we're, I was watching the first season, and uh, it's been out for a while, whatever. It's a good show. First season's really good. So Billy Bob Thornton, he's just he's just a bad guy. He's is a complete this, agent of chaos. Is this the scene with Dom, Tom Hanks' son where they're, where they're, where, when he gets pulled over? No. Oh. No, this is – although that is a good scene. That's a powerful scene. The scene that I'm talking about is, is – Billy Bob Thornton is is he he goes into a building, and he starts killing everybody in the building. He's just going up the stairs, all this stuff. But that scene is from the point of view of two just regular cops, and they're sitting out on the street. You know, they're supposed to be observing, but they missed when Billy Bob Thornton goes into the into the building, and all of a sudden, you know, there's all these gunshots and stuff, and then a guy's thrown out a window. Um, I mean, they use this kind of scene in several in several different shows and movies. I use a scene like that in Warbound. Yeah. But the, but the whole point of that scene, do do those do those those small? I mean those those two cops that it's told from, they're complete tertiary characters. They they're barely in the show at all. But you learn a lot. But you learn a lot about Billy Bob Thornton because you get to see him through the eyes of someone who doesn't know him. Yeah, that's powerful. And that's super interesting. Yep. Super powerful. Yep. I did the same kind of thing in Warbound where I had a scene from this perspective, this guy who was like a dissident and Toru Tokugawa had murdered all his family before. And he, Toru like apologizes in his horrible way. But then he goes into a building and like kills a whole bunch of people and they're like flinging them out the windows and like explosions and heads and arms coming out and stuff while this guy watches it. Right. And more is more to establish just how terrifying, what a terrifying force of nature this one particular character was. From somebody else's perspective. Because to hear him talk about himself is different. Mm-hmm. Even though that guy was prideful enough, he would say, I am a terrifying force of nature. And he would yeah. say it and mean it. Because he's a very honest man. Uh, but it was good to get it from a different perspective of, of like someone who's less potent. Uh, you know, and this could be an emotional thing, too. Not just like, we've talked about like an action thing. But this could be an emotional thing, too. If you have, uh, I've done where it's like the the victim of the, you know, the refugee the orphan girl, as stuff is going, you know, the beginning of Spellbound. Yeah. Uh, uh, when Whisper's a little girl. And you, so you got the, you know, so it's an emotional thing, you know, and it's the emotional perspective of, like, the the, the innocent bystanders as these huge events are going down. Yeah. You know, that's a powerful thing, too. All right. We're, we're going to take a break really quick. 
We're going to come back and we're going to continue on this. I think we're having a really good discussion here. So we'll be right back and uh, stick with us. Meet Jack Bishop, a normal kid at a normal school who is shocked to discover that he has the unexpected ability to see psychic residue left behind by both murder victims and monsters. When his father is abducted from the mysterious company where he works as head of security, Jack teams up with fellow student and mind reader Alexandra to search for his father and stop the series of murders happening in his hometown before it is too late. Steve Diamond's debut novel, Residue, is a young adult supernatural thriller for readers looking for action, suspense, humor, and horror. Residue is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today. All right, everyone, welcome back. We hope you had a great break. If you're listening to this, hopefully the, the commercial was entertaining, and uh, hopefully you bought whatever it was advertising, if it was advertising anything. Um, and if not, go to Audible and Amazon and buy our books. That's what we say. Anyway. Also, real fast, I do want to thank... Uh, I want to thank our producer, Jack, who puts on a lot of work to get these episodes on the internet for you guys and edited and cleaned up. And also Craig Nybo for letting us use his studio and his equipment. And check out Craig's books on Amazon, NYBO, Nybo. Well, and, and, our, and our theme music is courtesy of that man, too. Guy's multi-talented. He's fantastic. The funk song, Word Mercenaries. That's right. All right. So let's continue talking about characters and... Uh, kind of the levels of them. Now, I know one of the things that, that you want to talk about is when, when it comes to your your primary, your secondary, your tertiary type characters, how often for you, Larry, do those lines end up blurring? All the time. And that's something I need to specify too. I realized as I was talking on that first part, I, this is kind of like my little handy tool of how I segregate these people into different boxes of how much work I'm going to put into them. That said, it's blurry lines. Um, this is not hard and fast. A secondary character character can easily rise in importance as the story goes on, and it could be argued that they are a primary character now because so much of the story involves them. Uh, or they're just so powerful, that, or they're so interesting, that when they come on screen... You know, they they steal the scene. You hear about that in like like Hollywood productions where so and so steals the scene and chews the scenery. Sure, it's 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 like it's like Lance Reddick's character in John Wick. It's Lance Reddick's character in anything. Well, yeah. Lance Reddick walks in and goes, "Bosh!" with his voice. Yeah. You know that voice. It's amazing. And Lance Reddick just steals scenes. And so sometimes you'll have this in writing too, where you just have a character who's so cool that people just love him. Uh, and, and I've had this in Monster Hunter several times. Where there's characters that uh, are just so popular and beloved, uh, the fans love them, and they're just developed. That so when they pop up, they are their own thing, and people love them. And then I can list like, and so, like, I mean, I guess in my head they're secondary characters because the story is not about them; they're supporting characters. But like, basically, Trip, Holly, Milo, mm-hmm. Skippy, Ed, Gretchen, Mister Trashbags. <laughs> well, and in the beginning. Harbinger and Franks. Oh, yeah. See, so that was originally Earl. Myers. Yeah, Myers. These are, if, oh, my gosh, like Franks and... Uh, Jefferson. Yeah, see, Grant even grew from, like, the, being this minor little pain-in-the-ass character to being, like, a major pivotal dude. Yeah. Uh, who's actually done a lot of cool stuff. Who basically gets a bad rep. We talk about point of view, but 
Well, yeah, and in, in, in that it, point of view, character, five, right? It, yeah, it's, it's a nemesis, right? Where he's like, he's like, people keep forgetting I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of awesome. I'm kind of a bad because he he takes out this demon, right? He uh-huh. fights a demon, this major demon, and he beats it. And he's like, people forget I'm kind of awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's not fair, man. It's just because the main point of view character hates his guts, yeah, it's and not, so he's biased. It's not his story. Yeah. It's not. And so, but those characters are all, would be secondary characters, but especially the longer a book goes or the more you develop a series, the more you're going to give all the other characters a chance to be people and to shine. Uh, and that's wonderful. And sometimes a tertiary character will make a jump up because they were just so cool that, you know, the audience loved them or I loved writing them. And all of a sudden, like, they're, they're, they're important. Now, the funny thing about this is, is, is I know you do this. I know you do this. And when, when I was writing the, the initial draft of Servants of War, and, and Larry and I will have, we'll have a whole episode closer to when the book releases that's just talking about our process. Yeah, we'll this. go through the whole process of that one. But there was, there was one character in there who's kind of the, um, uh, kind of the quartermaster for ammunition and guns and stuff for the main, for the, for the main sniper character that we have. Yeah. Now, for a lot of people... That would just be a guy that your main character goes in and says, "Hey, I need my I need my ammo. I need bullets." And the person passes a bag to him, and the and the main character walks out, and, and nothing matters. But you see, I know Larry. I'm a gun nut, and Larry's a gun nut, and Larry loves him some secondary and tertiary characters, and and kind of all the all the the, bl- the blurs in between. So yeah. I wrote this character, and I and I remember specifically telling Larry after I wrote it, I said, Larry. I wrote this little minor character that you're going to really like and you're going to end up writing a bunch about because you like him. Yeah, and I actually wound up later on uh, having him invent something that was actually really cool for one of the action sequences because we have these great big arm cannons on the on the suits that are made out of dead golems. And uh, I, I had to, I mean, I figured out how the, the gun worked using like late 1800s era technology. and uh, But basically he comes with a shotgun shell canister round for it. So when they're fighting this like mob of ghouls, the main character Glaskov is like blasting like eight of them at a time. It's kind of cool, but yeah. But so. but, you, but so what I hope you guys see here is again, these are tools. These are all tools. Don't limit yourself, and they're there to have. You're they're there so you can have fun. On that note, I was going to uh, on servants of war. Uh, so we had when we did the original outline. We had where there was a deserter while, while the guys are in training. It's kind of like very, very Eastern Bloc, you know. It's totally not Russia. Totally not Russia, but it's kind of it's Russia. totally Russia. And it's World War One era type technology. It's very, very rough. And so they don't deal well with deserters. And so there's this one point a guy deserts and he gets captured and he dies pretty horribly in front of everybody because they kill him horribly in front of everybody. But the thing is, originally we had the main, the guy that does the killing is this guy named Spartak, who's uh, the captain. And he's, a, I, would, I would classify him as a secondary character. Yeah, Spartak's a secondary character, but he's also, we set him up to be like the good officer character. He actually legit cares about his men. He's smart. He, he's an anomaly in this military. It's, it's just, a, just a meat grinder, right? He actually cares. Um, and so we had originally Spartak was the guy to just, you know, do the... Set the example. Of set the, it's pretty, they have, yeah. they have the deserter eaten by war dogs. They just have dogs rip them apart. And what we had that, I was like, you know, it didn't feel right having a guy who was supposed to be a character that we wanted the audience to like and to root for be that brutal. Um, 
not that he wouldn't. It's just it, it it gave the wrong vibe for that scene. So I introduced a commissar character who was a tertiary character who just comes in. He's just a jerk and kind of a scumbag. But he also he's handy for other places. Anytime I needed to enforce the petty bureaucracy of, of, of the SARS awful military, it's through this guy. Right. And so it enabled me to keep one character more in line with what we wanted the audience to feel. So we're just manipulating you guys. Yeah. Now... Now, let's talk about the reverse, though, because sometimes... Oh, popping them out. It's, it's, it's really important to realize when a character does not need to be there. Yep. So, Absolutely. I mean, you, you hear the phrase a lot. It, it's a screenwriter phrase um, for, you know, kind of in the, in the, the TV and Hollywood era, but, but it, it, it applies equally to authors, and that's the phrase, killing your darlings. Yep. Right? I always heard, kill your babies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm a horror author, so probably, <laughs> you know. Um, so, there are often times in which you're, you're writing scenes and you're writing characters, and look, when you're, when you're creating those characters, you're super enthusiastic about them. They seem really neat. They seem really cool. You're writing them. You're writing them. But the reality is they're not accomplishing anything. They're just there because you like the character. Are they helping your main characters accomplish anything? Are they helping your plot? Are they essential to conveying your setting? If you can't say yes to those sorts of things, then why are they there? They're taking up space. Taking up space. I've seen where I've seen where less skilled writers like new guys. I've read books from guys that are, you know, it's like the first novel where you can tell they had somebody set up to be a main primary character, but they just weren't that interesting. Then they, and so the first part of the book, that guy's like a big deal, but then there's like a secondary or tertiary character who's actually really cool. And as the book comes on, that guy becomes way more important and gets more and more screen time. And if you were to graph it, it's like main character drops, secondary character becomes main character. And the thing is, when that happens, it's a little jarring to the reader because the re- it's it's really kind of obvious. Yeah. Now it can be done well. I've seen where the main character has been done and then just got killed. Uh, there's a book Riley's Luck by Louis Louis Lamour. That's the one where they, I don't know where he blows away the main character. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, I love Louis Lamour. And um, but but what I usually see though is the clumsy version. You know where it's the That's guy. What you see. I got bored. My main character that I originally outlined, eh, he's boring. So he drops off and becomes less important. And then all of a sudden, this other dude is the star. In that case, what I would do if I was you guys is I would go back and I would re-edit the beginning. Keep that primary character, but bump him down in importance. Take the character that winds up stealing the show, beef him up at the beginning. That way it feels more organic in the story. Well, and the question I, and again, this comes from my reviewing days, if I look at, at a character who's doing something, be it main character or secondary, um, specifically with tertiary, it, it it matters less in my opinion. But if if I'm telling a scene from them from their from their point of view, just because I like that character, I got to start asking myself questions. Some of those questions are the one that we always say, which is, is this person really the most interesting character for this scene? And the fact you like them might mean that they are or, subconscious or, or totally hey, not. you know, I like a lot of bad movies. Doesn't mean that I should recommend them. And it doesn't mean that 
that they're actually good movies. And a lot of times it doesn't mean the audience is going to like it. That's, right. that's the key. Now, the other the other thing is, and, and, and I hate to give Hollywood too much credit for, for things, but every now and then, when they when they adapt a book or a short story or whatever into a show, one of the things you almost always see is they combine characters together. Oh yeah, all the time. Because goodness sakes, I mean, we have we have several hundred pages to tell a story, and they have maybe 125 to 150. Right. Well, Black Hawk Down, for example, yeah. based on a true story. But some of those guys in the movie are, you know, am- amalgamations of six of the events that happened to six different dudes. So when you're writing some of these characters, if two characters are basically doing the same thing, maybe just consider turning that into one person. Yeah. It's on the kill your darlings thing. Sometimes sometimes a character just needs to go. Sometimes it can be compressed with somebody else. Sometimes it can morph into somebody else entirely and then all of a sudden be interesting and good. Uh, or sometimes if the book is already done and you've moved on in the series, don't be afraid to move that person off stage, yeah. either kill them or they can move on with their life. They don't have to, they don't have to be there for the event of every single book. Well, you know, the prequel Star Wars movies, Jar Jar Binks is a big deal in the first one and then kind of vanishes <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the series, except for, you know, screwing up a Senate vote. You know what I mean? <sighs> but that was one where, okay, we love this character when we made the movie, right? Well, George Lucas did. He made this. On paper seemed like a good idea. But then audience reaction was like, oh, barf, kill me now. So they, they moved that guy off screen, you know? Star Wars, they couldn't just execute him. No. Well, I well mean, yeah. maybe they should have. <laughs> so, you know, I, I... Once again, they killed Admiral Akbar without any care. I know. <laughs> Talk about a tertiary character that got no respect. See, that was a tertiary character that people loved. He should have got promoted. Absolutely. That guy was a proto-meme on the internet. My goodness. It's a trap. (laughs) What what I hope that, that everyone is gathering from this is, and it's a lot of the same stuff that that we talk about all the time. And that's don't be afraid to experiment. And don't be afraid to to, to change your mind and go back and edit and change things. I mean, look, especially when you're a new author, I, I mean, this happened to me so many, this happened to me so many times. Um, I had to be willing to abandon a character or completely change a character. Now, Larry, you and I are both accountants. Yeah. There's a, there's a pretty common term. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. Yep. Okay. And that is, what that basically means is I've put so much time into this thing. Therefore, I have to continue. I have to time. see it through. Even though it's a loser. Even though it's stupid and dumb and, it's and it stupid sucks. stupid and dumb and sucks. I've invested time into it. I must continue. When the no. reality is, you cut it. The beautiful part of word processing programs. Yeah. I can just highlight, hit delete. Yeah, guys, guys, we don't write on typewriters anymore. Yeah. And heaven help you if you are writing on a typewriter. Wow. Whatever. Good for you, I guess. I guess you're a hipster. <laughs> but... You know, that's one thing too, guys. Um, if you have invest, if you have whole scenes you need to cut because a character point of view just simply doesn't work, cut and paste those into another document and save them. They might come in handy later. That characters may suck for what you're working on right now, but in the future that character might be gold. That character could be great in another book. You don't know, or you might be a better writer in the future because uh, we all get better with practice, and you might be able to tune it up and make that better in something else. There's no wasted writing. So. 
to kind of keep in theme with all of our, uh, you know, kind of our challenges when it comes to all this character stuff. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, picking a character, turning him into a, a hero or a villain or, you know, anywhere in between or, or, or deciding how you should enter them into a plot or how asking the questions of who they are and how they became who they are and, and what would make them become a totally different character um, because of, of bad events, you know, like having your puppy killed. So for this, let's think about it this way. Make that character and then maybe start them at the lowest level, you know, tertiary character, and then start adding things until you think, oh, okay, well, yeah, this would be a character that would be cool if he had a couple scenes in the story. Add some more stuff. Oh, this character should be the main character of the story. Or do the reverse. You know who you see this, actually, where huh. people do this? And I get this because of my daughter, who, who started out her writing. She's published now, but uh-huh. started her writing career with uh, doing uh, fan fiction, right? And so it's really common in the fan fiction right. community where they'll take a minor background character and they'll, like, fluff them up. Mm-hmm into like whatever their story is or they do what they call their OCs where they like make up a character and then insert them into that universe. Same kind of thing. It's good practice. Well, and, and, and also guys, you can do the reverse. Take, take a main character and, and what, what are you going to strip away from them? And so that you'd be like, well, if I take this away, eh, they're kind of a secondary character now. If I should take more away, eh, they're a third, they're a third kind of tertiary character. What makes them special? What makes them special? And I think what that will do, guys, is that will help you really dial in on what is making your character special and whether or not they should even be in your freaking story. Well, if John Wick couldn't shoot good, it'd be, you know... It'd be a really boring story. (laughs) All right, guys. It's been a pleasure and a privilege as always. Um, Thanks again for listening and tune in for the next one. We'll see you later. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Baron Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nilo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving us a five-star rating or review, and by helping to spread the word. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. People forget I'm kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know?